Well, whatever. But Is anyway, I know. Are there yeah. cash prizes? <laughs> right, we trying to play. Yeah, there are right. Let's go. Let's start. Thing. Come on, y'all. All right, let's do it. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Whose money is it coming out of? Look, I don't care. Just slip it to me. I'm not gonna ask no question. <laughs> yeah, we're like, gonna ask some questions about no money now. <laughs> all right. So today we're going to get into a little bit of realness against, you know the Black Panther and all this money that they made and really is it racist? Are China really racist against the whole Black Panther? You mean, okay, so Black Panther was released in China. It did very well. As we know, China is the second largest theatrical market in the world. Yes. So we're speaking now about the specific reactions that mainland Chinese people had mm -hmm. to going, you know, to seeing the film and what they thought of the film. And according to one of the Chinese websites that they were scouring in the comments, they saw that there were several racist comments left, perceived to be racist comments about the film. Yeah. And I say perceived because one thing we have to realize about other nations Anti-blackness, while being worldwide, mm -hmm. is not as easily decoded in certain cultures and certain languages because mm -hmm. I think in plain English, we as black Americans are used to, you know, <laughs> nigger flat out. Yeah. I yeah. hate your black ass flat out. <laughs> Jigaboo and Piccaninny flat out. We're used to things being put right on the table. Yeah. Just go ahead and let it be yeah. known that you just, hate black folks, okay? We're okay. used to calling it like it is. So we mm -hmm. have to realize that in other cultures, they phrase things a certain way that to us sounds just totally appalling. Yeah. Like, hold up. Yeah. And what you trying to say? Yeah. Now you about to get slapped. And what you trying to say? I'm gonna give you one chance to explain. And my hand is coming over there. You know. And I. And one thing that some of the comments that were left, uh, I believe one of the comments said, "It scared me. I came in and it was dark and it was all this blackness on the screen and I couldn't even see my seat." And people were like. So you saying because it was all these black people on the screen, <laughs> yeah. it was on the theater that you couldn't find your seat because it was just so black and everybody in there was just so black. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But one, but one article that was written about it sought to, I guess, debunk the myth that these people were being racist. They were like, they're not being racist. They're literally describing to you that the th that they're not used to a theater being so dark. Yeah. Meaning. The theater was actually dimly lit. They could yeah. not find their seat. Yeah. You know, they was like they were not describing. The people themselves yeah. being so dark, they were darkening the screen. Yeah. So, and I think as black people, we're very sensitive to when people start to mention us in something because we're like, hold on, 
Watch your words. It's almost as like we hold our breath and wait for the end of the statement. Like, I'm waiting for you to mess up. You go ahead. I'm, I'm jumping on you. I'm getting in my stance. So, how do they figure this movement? I mean, are all, well, I'm sorry. Well, okay. it, it may be full of Chinese people. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, theaters will be decorated differently. Maybe bright colors of theater. Yeah. Maybe bright red. Yeah. You know, so, stuff like that. You know, it's American. You know, architecture is very different. American architecture stuff is very yeah. uh, uh, cream walls. Mm -hmm. Most movie theaters, we walk in there, we don't need to think about the way it's decorated because in America, no, that stuff, we don't have nothing progressive. No. We don't have progressively de uh, decorated movie theaters. And what I mean is, we have progressive theaters and looks as in like Rollywood. Yeah, um, you have those that just started to tables, you know, you have, yeah, right, yeah, you, have, yeah. you, you can sit down and eat, you have tables, you drink wine, yeah. that type of stuff, mm -hmm. decorated in that manner. But when we yeah. talk about going to other nations, we're talking about literally the walls are orange mm -hmm. with gold characters and gold symbols and things are brightly decorated and mm -hmm. bright colors and murals are everywhere. Mm -hmm. Whereas in America, we still have not largely embraced the act of placing murals on a lot of major things. We look at that stuff as graffiti. Mm -hmm. Now, there are certain places where in other cities and other nations you can go to and there are literally flower murals on the side of all different types of buildings. Maybe a major building mm -hmm. in the city that houses a major corporation, but one side has flowers going yeah. all up. They mm -hmm. like, yeah, they I feel like their appreciation of art yeah. spans across a lot of wider mediums. Like, I like me myself personally. I, you know, I consider myself a singer, and you know, I'm just getting into recording this year and stuff like that. But yeah, I will say are. that for the type of music that I like and the type of music mm -hmm. that I like to sing, Americans are not. That's like a, a lost art form for them in a lot of ways yeah. because they don't get into a lot of the classic blues and jazz and classic gospel. Yeah. And stuff. They don't get into that as much as they used to. And Americans are very fickle in their taste, meaning once something on is now. over, it's over, and we ain't. We're not messing with that right now. Okay, we did that, but now we're doing this. Yeah. You know? And then I feel I like in other nations, Culture. especially in Europe, uh, for some, for a lot of the jazz singers that are current today that I follow, um, when they go to places, when they go to Europe and stuff like that, they put on a full-on tour like they Beyonce. Mm -hmm. I mean, they literally go overseas, and the people overseas are like waiting outside. They standing in line, and they like, oh, baby, when I yeah, get in here, she's going to sing the autumn leaves. I can't wait to start crying. Like, they like, they love this. You go to you go to Asian markets, and they're just like, oh, my gosh, she's about to come here saying autumn leaves. She's going to sing with a different artist. They made, they know these songs, and they right. still act like these songs came out yesterday. I have some local artists that um, right now, they're, they go overseas every year now. They, um, they went to France for the first time, performed, and got, that got so much love. Then they went to um, India. Perform, got love to a point now they're doing a full fledged tour overseas. Right. Where he, where the artist I just interviewed him on my podcast, his name is Theo Lodge, he just got a write up for an overseas festival where they talk majority about him, but then also sent it to the States. Now people around here are like, oh shit, like, nah, he's mm -hmm. popping over there. Right. They live in Florida. Right. He's popping over there. And they don't, uh, Americans literally won't have any concept of these people. Like Christian Sands, yep. Cecile McLaurin, they literally don't have that much of a concept with these people. But then, not understand these people are going overseas and they're like rock stars. Mm -hmm. People just like, oh my god, she's coming here to sing. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is major. Mm -hmm. And I just, I feel like it is a lost opportunity for us. And I, it's especially bittersweet for me being black because I feel like as people that have created all modern art forms mm -hmm. musically, 
that have taken over the world. It's just like we are the first ones to put something down and then once a white person gets named Jazz Artist of the Year, mm-hmm. oh, she ain't really singing that. Oh, uh-uh. Well, she ain't really getting in the, her oh, vocals, yeah. you know, yeah. she appropriating. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, wait a minute. Why yeah. so-and-so? No, why Tanisha ain't getting them likes? She sang Jazz too. <laughs> well, when the last time you bought Tanisha's album? Oh, yeah. um, I'm, no, you got an album, and, it, and it's just like, then they talk about that. It's the same thing with the whole Adele and Jasmine Sullivan thing. People yeah. keep saying, why is Adele literally eating the industry? But then Jasmine Sullivan makes quality music. How come she can't have that same type of success? But if you ask these people, did you buy Jasmine Sullivan? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, no, did you, you buy it? Support, support starts with support. you. You know what I'm going to tell you? Other ethnicities, like uh, the Hispanic community, they have like their entire own artists. Like they can rock with you to all the rap music of today, but they will in turn go to a family event or a Hispanic inclusive event, and they will be fangirling and fanboying out about artists you have never heard of. Mm-hmm. that make music you have never heard and they're like oh my god he makes this oh I love his first album this this their support for their own their own mm-hmm. artists is amazing that's why they even have their own Latin Grammys because they have their own industry has its own rules they function in their own way it's the same way mm-hmm. for a lot of African nations and their yeah. music scenes they have their own artists even though they are fully aware of American artists but it's American people mm-hmm. that are the first to put their own artists to the side and be like, mm-hmm. oh, she was popping 10 years ago. She not popping now. Mm-hmm. We on this train right now. And when you do that, you disenfranchise mm-hmm. a lot of people. That's you true. stifle a lot of art because there's so yeah. much more art that could be coming out. And then you have the people that complain, everything's going down the toilet. Yeah. Movies have gone down the toilet. We keep having mm-hmm. all these remakes. This is going down the toilet. That's going down the toilet. But it's because the people that could innovate we push them out because we mm-hmm. said they're not hot right now. Mm-hmm. So they could not continue to innovate and give us all they have. Art is the gift that keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. Movies, TV, music, it keeps on giving. When somebody's brilliant, they're just, because you are continuing to live, your experiences are continuing to happen. Mm-hmm. You don't stop living just because you were a model between ages of 20 and 25. Oh, mm-hmm. now you're not popping no more. No, you're still beautiful at every mm-hmm. stage of your life. Mm-hmm. You're still modeling. You look different. Your body looks different. Yeah. You look different in these type of clothing. You might pass through a period where you just like to wear black all the time. Mm-hmm. But how you wear black is progressive versus how we all used to putting on something black. Mm-hmm. So I think that even with uh, things like Black Panther, I think what made it so popular even for us was that it was an all-black cast for a Marvel film. We never mm-hmm. thought we would see in in so recently, mm-hmm. um, you know, as yeah. fast as a black. Would, I didn't think it would do it. You know, I'm a Marvel head, and I honestly I didn't think that they would actually make right. that film. I didn't think they were gonna make it. I've always liked comic books and superheroes. And I didn't think Black Panther would be one. And Black Panther, I was always a fan of the Black right. Panther comics. You know, right? I'm a little older than all of y'all in here, so I'm, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> A little bit less, you know, for Eric. I'm a little bit for Eric. The chill, young boy. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, I didn't expect that either. I didn't expect them to make that film. But I'm, you know what? I know a lot of people shitting on it, like on how we, how black people act 
how they was dressing and they can't take calls and set up. It's no different than these motherfuckers gonna see Harry Potter. You know what I mean? Yeah. We we finally you know what I mean everyone dresses up for certain movies. Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot of people didn't watch not a Marvel film prior to Black Panther. But at the same time, let us celebrate that shit. I hate when what we do is we overanalyze and tear down something before we even view it right. and see what it was yeah. about. Right. And then when we do view it, we sit and we watch it in a a tear down eye where we trying to figure out like what's the second meaning, what's the meaning to this. Or we say we celebrate the black film when it was made by white culture by the by the man. It's like yeah. the fuck out of here. Let's be happy that all black cast with a black director mm-hmm. actually did this film, man. Yep. You, can't, you know what though? <laughs> when you got hoteps in the mix and you got people that just Cannot, they can never be happy. That's they will never be happy because I'm gonna tell you what they're good at one thing. Mm-hmm. They, these people, this is not a real word, but these I contend that because this is America, <laughs> I can make up my own words because this is America. Now, I always commonly tell people that somebody is a divisionist, mm-hmm. but these are divisionist tactics. Mm-hmm. And what I'm telling you is these people are divisionists, they seek to divide us on mm-hmm. everything. They claim to be woke and to be about unity, but they wouldn't know unity if it came to slap them in the face because they are not about unity. Number one, they will eliminate your LBGT people. Now, it's so crazy how you have the same people that tell you that Christianity is wrong when y'all have this slave religion. This is a slave religion that y'all were given. They will tell you that, but then in the same token, they will say, well, the Bible speaks against those gays. But it's like, well, you're supposed to be a hotel, and you're saying you don't even believe in the Bible. So what are you, so what's your beef? <laughs> but you have them coming up all or other sorts of reasons why this can't be. They are seeking to divide and separate us out of one another. And that should be your first alarm. That should alarm anybody. Anytime anybody's trying to split us up and stop us from being a united front, because united we stand together, there's no wind that we mm-hmm. cannot stand against. There is no storm that we cannot weather through. Mm-hmm. But when somebody is seeking to divide us through divisionist tactics, we have a problem. And the first thing we must do is to resist it on all fronts. So when somebody comes along saying, oh, well, Black Panther was made by white people, it's the white people that's really getting the money. Okay, that's fine, but guess what? There's gonna be a part two and they're gonna be getting that money. Because let me tell you something, what they don't tell you is, this is the same thing that happened to Robert Downey Jr. when he first started making Iron Man movies. The first Iron Man movie, he only got a couple of thousand. He didn't get a lot of money, but that's because they had to test it out. Because we could have had... Now you can't even see them. You can't see no one else being... We could have had, um, we could have had that (laughs) Superman situation. There have been several Superman movies that flopped. And in 2008, the actor that plays Superman in the 2008 film, not Henry Cavill, who we now know as Superman, the one that played him before that, I think looked better than Henry Cavill looked more like Superman. It's like Batman. But when he made the movie, it didn't do anything. What's the name of a trash Batman? Christian Bale? No, Batman. Yeah. And I heard he's not Batman any longer. I'm glad. Well, he... Him becoming Batman was controversial anyway. When they first announced Ben Affleck was going to be Batman, a lot of people were like, what? Who? No, 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 no. People were against it anyway to begin with, so that already was a problem. I do feel like um, when we pick things apart, 
I feel like it don't matter what you do, somebody's always going to pick it apart. It's the same thing. Some things do deserve to be picked apart, such mm -hmm. as when we talk about black people becoming Rhodes Scholars. And I don't know how much y'all know about people um, achieving a status of being a Rhodes Scholar. Mm -hmm. When you have um, when you have reached a certain elite process, uh, 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 a point in your elite career when we're talking about academics mm -hmm. you can become a Rhodes Scholar because usually people have gone to Harvard gone to Ivy League several Ivy League universities okay. for undergraduate postgraduate PhD and several other degrees you know you may achieve a Rhodes Scholar status due to your GPA your academics things you have written projects you have participated in the problem with being a Rhodes Scholar is the man that this is named for so we're talking about Cecil Rhodes Cecil Rhodes I can describe him as being somebody that I think he gonna be standing right beside Hitler burning in hell because I feel mm -hmm. like we're talking about somebody we're talking about somebody that's extremely extremely evil this is the man okay so before Zimbabwe was uh, Zimbabwe again it was called Rhodesia he came into Zimbabwe and named it Rhodesia so if you are a certain age you will remember seeing maps and on a map it said Rhodesia, did not say that. Mm -hmm. This man was just, I mean, I can only describe him as just being, I mean, this is just evil beyond evil. Just, this is like the colonists coming in. This is, we talking about cutting people's feet off, cutting their hands off. We talking about horrific, like what Germany's King Leopold did to the Congo. We're talking about straight up and down evil. And his foundation, you know, Rhodes Foundation, you have a Rhodes Scholar. These people can get scholarships and things from this foundation and they're recognized as an esteemed status to achieve in, in uh, academia. This is a very big thing, you know. You're a Rhodes Scholar. This is very major in that world. But you have uh, continental Africans who I am proud to see who are the first ones that are definitely rejecting the status. You have South African, um, brilliant young South African people that are achieving Rhodes Scholar status that have rejected it, that have said, no, we, we appreciate being noticed for our academics. We appreciate achieving the status of being a Rhodes Scholar. We appreciate that. We do not appreciate being called a Rhodes Scholar because that needs to stop. And you have a lot of white people and people like that that don't understand why they are protesting this and not understand you know they they, what what get what, they, what i mean like understand all that is sweeping in, under the rug right, mentality right that's, that's what it is well, well he like, oh, it, happened, it, happened, yeah, it happened so long ago he ain't doing it no more he dead yeah, and it's just like i get it he's dead but do you know what that stands for but that's even like with the monuments here in north carolina that they're snatching down right all you got you got a group of people like let's get rid of it. Then you got a group of people that said no, it's history. Yeah, you fuckers lost the war. You can't Why rewrite we history. We don't need to celebrate losers. You lost. We didn't you know rewrite it. Nobody but at said the same time, you. let's not get it twisted. The Yankees too, they not know better. No, you know what I mean when it came to the Civil War, nope. the war they just fucking. They won. promised black people that if you help us. We will make sure that we make it worth your while. That's right. not what occurred. No, they came united. The they came united the U.S. took the South and united it. Right. And did that stop them. segregation? No. Did that stop us from being sharecroppers and steal slaves? No. Did that stop well into the 1960s? Right. We still have so, black people that were sharecroppers by title. They were actually slaves. Slaves, right? So and that's steel the thing. slavery was still so going. I feel on. like a lot of this stuff, even the universities we go to, I went to Florida State. No fucking like yes, that school gets a lot of love. Right. But let's 
like, come on, man. We know a lot of these schools are built on a lot of a lot of bullshit. You well, know you know what? They get upset, and the white people always tell us when you mention HBCU, it's just like they immediately. It's how you can tell who has issues with being racist because the first thing they say is, "Well." Why do y'all need black colleges anyway? Oh, I forgot it's a black college. We can't go there. And, and let me tell you something. It is, once again, what I said, it's, it's a divisionist tactic. It's a tactic used to separate us once again. My, it's to get us thinking negatively about our own universities. My only issue with black colleges is, this is my only issue black colleges. It's still controversial, but it's mm -hmm. my only issue. And it's being that I was so close to going to FAMU. Right. If you notice, it was a, a point in time when I went to school, I went to college in 2000. So it was a point in time, my freshman year, where these all a lot of these schools were getting messed up because of the people that worked in them were stealing the money from right? the students. Right. The problem is, is the accountability and a lot of them losing their accreditation because sadly they didn't have enough white teachers or this right. and third. You know this was gonna happen. Make sure, or students, make sure you put your proper provisions in place. I don't feel like, and, they don't boost the school enough, up enough. We don't see any commercials. We don't see anybody going to. Only thing we saw back in the day was Bill Cosby, when he said when he always had the, you know, what I mean the black uh, HBCUs and then the, the fake Hillman, you know, what I mean, which was a black school. Yeah. That's but what it made, made a lot of people go. think. Yeah, it made you want to go at that time. Yeah. But I think it was about real. it. Outside of that, it was no real promotion about any black college. South Carolina, you got Benedict College, you got State. You got all these schools that you be like, yo. They're amazing. You know what I mean? And they, I would love to go over there, but you don't hear nothing about it. The, they don't try to keep their, um, their um, um, what they call it, once you graduate, you um, alumni. your alum. They don't keep you alum. You don't see no one boosting it up right. like you should. And if, if that happens, even in the athletics, they get mad that a lot of these super high-powered you know, kids don't go to an HBCU. I took my ass all the way to Florida to go play ball. <laughs> I could have stayed my ass in South Carolina and played ball at one of these HBCUs, but the first thing I thought was, man, I kind of want to go to the league one day. You know what I mean? <laughs> or when I started thinking business-wise, FAMU has one of the one of the great, the great, you know, business programs. Like Central does with law. But the problem is, and they had, at the time they had one of the great, um, um, engineering and pharmaceutical programs. Right. And the problem was, I was all, because you didn't promote it enough, we didn't know. I'm like, yo, are they gonna respect my degree? Or is it gonna have enough accreditation? Or are they gonna lose their accreditation? As, mm -hmm. And then not my degree is like a damn, it's like going to one of these online schools right. when there's a cert, that was a certification. I think, I just think one issue that we've always had with this is that black people not being well informed enough and not Facts. being encouraged to seek. You see, Facts. the problem is this, a lot of our parents and stuff, they were just trying to get by and we can't blame them for trying to get by. Some of them succeeded, went the distance and good. Mm -hmm. We appreciate that. But some of us, all we could do was do enough to keep our kids alive and try to keep the family together. And there ain't no shame in that. Nobody right. can ever, that's never anything to be ashamed of, doing what you gotta do to keep no, your kids, your no. husband, keep your marriage and your sanity intact because mm -hmm. time goes on and you can't spend your time wasting on one thing or you will lose yourself. And before you know it, you won't have any time left. And that's not what we want. That's for anybody, any race, anything. That's just the human condition. But I do feel like as black people, even if you had no concept of something being out there, the message is not 
Baby, you can be anything in this world. But the problem is, if you only know your world as this block and this part of this city, mm -hmm. I don't, you don't have no concept of what's really out there. Right. When you that don't have somebody to mm -hmm. open your mind and say, Sean, look, look what's happening out here in the world. Look at this person over here. Look at that person. I'm showing you news articles. I'm introducing you to people. Hey, mm -hmm. Mr. So-and-so, he's a scientist down at such right. trying to trying to push them yeah. into that. And that makes me think of um, the story that I sent you about um, Miss uh, Sheila Minor Huff. Yes. We had a, um, basically in 1971, this photo was, uh, somebody was doing a research project and they mm -hmm. asked, can I have pictures of this environmentalist convention that happened? What information can you give me? The government sent them some information, sent them a couple of pictures. Mm -hmm. And one of these pictures, it was a picture of 38 people. One of them was a black woman, black and woman. you could barely see her face because the men were standing in front of her, which is kind of weird. Because normally a man would tell the woman, you know, come out in front because the mm -hmm. men are taller. They they didn't even oh, do that. Yeah. They they sat that black woman right here and just yeah. stood right in front of her yes. like that. And even mm -hmm. they mentioned everybody in the picture. They went through all the names and they yeah. left her unidentified. Well, mm -hmm. uh, someone posted on Twitter and said, "You guys, this is monumental." This was a black scientist who has gone unacknowledged. Uh -huh. She's a black woman at that, yeah. and this day, in that day and age, she did that. Yeah. Who is this woman? Help me find her. So all the Twitter sleuths, everybody uh -huh. got their uh -huh. investigative cap on. They found this woman. She's now a 71-year-old grandmother. Years old. She's a belly dancer. Mm -hmm. Five grandkids. She drives her convertible. Right. With she her with the top down. She. Mm -hmm. um, she actually did go back and get a master's. She actually was, uh, she actually retired as a GS-14, one of the mm -hmm. highest levels in the government. Right. And she, she worked on so many different environmental and city projects. And you don't think about stuff like that when it comes to black people. Your average black child is not thinking about a black person going because, out there and saving the earth. Because, like, we're we're, because the only thing that's promoted is sports, right? and drugs. Right. You know what I mean? Not the excellence that is today. <laughs> now, you know, we're teaching our kids more and more of that. Right. But we've always had a hand in the growth and development of this country and this right. world. We've always had. But we're not we acknowledged acknowledge in in, in right. the history book. A lot of the major things I just recently I knew some kids who didn't know a black man was the one who created the first video game console. A black man. He was the one that created, he was the one that laid the foundation for you to have a fucking PlayStation right. Xbox. Right. A lot of people didn't know that. Cell phone. Yep. There's a lot of stuff. the light on and off. Like, right. There's <laughs> so many things that we've done, but at the end of the day, we weren't able to buy patents. Or we did put yeah. a patent out yeah. there. It was denied, but Such our whiter counterpart can go do it. Right. And, and, and it'll, it'll go through. So a lot of us Right. Such as the case of um, the great Granville T. Woods. Granville T. Woods was a black inventor and he literally laid the foundation for the modern railway system. Mm -hmm. And his inventions are still being used now. Uh, uh, transportation, you know, GE, right. places like GE, no, Westinghouse, yeah. they have his they have his patents. They bought those and mm -hmm. they have rights to a lot of these inventions yeah. that he's still using today. One company that I think tried to take a progressive approach was Jack Daniels. Right. I don't know if y'all remember a few years ago when Jack Daniels finally said, Look, this slave taught us how to bake this. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> this is how it came about. He was teaching. Yeah, he was teaching. Yeah. You know, this person how to make this. You know, and it became Jack Daniels. He was teaching him the whole way how to do this. You know, and this this is the strange part about black people. We have an aversion to nature because when we think about nature, we think about slavery. And the problem with that is our ancestors. You know, strangely enough, our ancestors would not want us to do that no. because if there was some way we could have come up and benefited off of it. 
That's what they would have wanted. This goes all the way back to the great Booker T and W.E.B. Du Bois. Yeah. Booker <laughs> T was trying to tell us, okay, look, I understand you want to be a part of the talented 10th, and I'm not telling you you can't go use your mind to its right. fullest potential. What I'm telling you is this. You already in those fields. Buy that land. Own that food supply. Own them I fields. Wish, I wish we I wish we were taught that as a kid. Purchase land. Think about how much money yeah. you've ever had over yeah. the time. And how much <laughs> land do you currently yeah. own now? None. None. <laughs> you know what I mean? no, like, what about it? Every month. That's the only part oh, yeah. of land I own. You still don't own it. Yeah. I'm just yeah. renting it. Yeah. Throwing, I'm throwing it away. You know I mean, just think about <laughs> that. We were taught ownership yeah. and having right. your own and mm-hmm. put like like what we're teaching yeah. our kids, what you're teaching your kids mm-hmm. now. Because we don't want them to make the same mistakes we made. Yeah. Like, but they always want to sell. Yeah. Always want to sell. Always want Look, to sell. I'm offering. Yeah. Me, and Sean, me and my son talked about the other day in the car. And he, and he was like, man, that house is cool. He's looking at houses now. Because we're in the process of purchasing. So he's looking at, he's thinking time. about ideas. So what I told him this, I said, dude, our goal for him when he graduated high school, I just want him to buy a house. I don't care if he's gonna live in it. I don't care if he's mm-hmm. he could just rent it out. It's residual income. Right. Mm-hmm. We'll take what we have, we'll purchase you a home. Because <laughs> you can always go back to it at the end of the day. It's your yeah. land, we'll ever sell it, right. pay the taxes mm-hmm. on it. Right. You know what I mean? I'm wanting him to have enough money where he can buy this shit outright. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you decide to go to college, he's gonna be, be taller than me. Right. He'll be about six, seven, six, eight. He don't need to buy it outright. So right. It's actually <laughs> smarter to keep the mortgage yeah. and just keep mm-hmm. renting it out. Yep. So it's like, yo, go ahead and purchase. Purchase, hold that down. The tax benefits yeah. alone are worth yeah. it. <coughs> and just, okay, and just flip it. Just, just imagine. The tax benefits alone are worth it. That's why you never pay them off. You just keep letting yeah. people pay on the mortgage. You never, mm-hmm. there's no point in it. it. You get more in tax breaks and tax incentives you. than you I do you. by paying it. Now, it's not saying don't. You can pay it <coughs> yeah. off. It's not a problem. I want, but it's I want, just saying, I want to, I want to keep pull it. Out on it. Yeah. I want to pull out on it. And I'd rather just you pay should. taxes on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. my thing is, because I just already don't trust the the um the banking system yeah. and how that whole process is and damn sure touch the government. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like but it's just right. to highlight that there's at, no at issue with your time, at all. You know yeah. I'm not in that situation. Flip, flip yeah. that bread, man. Right, keep going. Yeah. Keep going. You see And I don't care how big the house is because right. I, I like I I think um I had an old head of mine back in the day when I was younger. He I was doing some things in these streets and I had so much money he told me. Purchase, purchase a fifty thousand dollar home. Purchase at that age. Purchase. Don't worry about it. I don't want to come. My thing is, I don't want to live here. I don't ever want to come back to this place. And that's where I'm from. I go all the time, at least once a year. It's like you should be like, this person no matter. And, and now I'm thinking about it, it's like I should have. You know what I mean? I've seen so much money cross hands over my time. Like I should have done that. Even when I was living in Florida, and, you know. Mm-hmm. Had millions, I should have purchased homes. You know what I mean? But I didn't. I was busy buying cars, stunting in front. It's fine. I mean, a lot of us are here rich. Living. You know what? <laughs> you know what? It's a, you a nice house back then. But you know what? It's a oh, cross yeah. between. Yeah. I think one thing that we. I think one thing that we, uh, this is what we're talking about, institutionalized uh, racism. This is where it comes into play because we don't realize that as African-Americans, when we talk about institutionalized racism, we're talking about something that's been going on for so long that we are not old enough to have certain things. In my opinion, um, it's not enough, you have not lived long enough to have laid the foundation for so many different things, such as owning land. Only land goes all the way back to going all the way back to when land was cheap, 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 cheap. Your grandparents, your great grandparents, these are people that would have owned these things. With, with though most of us in this room, you know, being in our late twenties and thirties, we have not lived long enough 
to have laid the foundation for these things. And on top of that, we are normal American children. I totally and wholeheartedly reject people not being American. If you want to denounce your American citizenships because <laughs> you want to whole tap it up, that's fine. But I'm telling you, they're going to have to pry America out of my cold, dead hands. And the reason why, <laughs> and I'm telling you, my ancestors' bodies have fertilized this ground. The trees they hung on, all, no, no, we're not, I'm not going nowhere, okay? After I done built this country, farmed that land, built up these institutes, no, this is my shit. I'm, I'm, I'm standing right here. We are, after all the music I done produced, uh, the music we done started. Oh, and I, you know, oh no, no, I'm staying right here because of people like Sheila Minor. Up, I'm staying right here. The black scientist George Washington Carver. I'm staying right here. Granville T. Woods making sure them trains go from here to there. I'm staying right here. You not making me go nowhere, okay? Because what I'm telling you is this right here. My ancestors have paid the cost to be the boss. And now we have been set up more than ever <laughs> to put ourselves in that position. Now, there's some yeah. things we can't go back and do. Now, the land thing, we can't go back and do that, but we can plan for the future. And all I can say is it is good to buy different properties because the thing is this, even if you're not going to live in it, we have a housing crisis, especially when you live in a place like Raleigh. Now, when Erica and Sean attempted to look for houses before this apartment, yeah. It was a bit of a mess because you've got a taste of that Raleigh housing market. Let me tell you something. Some time ago, I used to service mortgages. And that's, mm -hmm. and I was telling Erica around that time they were looking for home. I said, girl, I could have told you what to expect in Raleigh. <laughs> Raleigh never actually went through a housing bubble to pop. It never actually happened. Mm -hmm. Raleigh has steadily stayed afloat. This is why Raleigh is top, you know, a Forbes magazine list of place, the number one place to live in the nation yeah. because it continues to grow and it keeps continuing to grow yeah. and it just won't stop growing like the housing crisis the here, here is real the housing crisis is just it's brutal y'all searching for homes you ask about a house one day you ask about it the next day oh it's sold sorry yeah. because people not playing around here before you leave a house used to be that you could say well let me think on let me talk to my husband about it and see how the key is and see if the energy is flowing you know, let me see if the oh. sun is coming out the trees Whatever, you can't do that no more. You gotta, you gotta make a you decision when you go in there. You gotta make a decision when they show you that house that day. You gotta say, do we like it or we love it? Rock paper scissors shoot. Because if you come back to it the next day, they gonna say, oh, well, Jim and Mary came over here and loved it. We was like, no, we need to go look at that house. I swear to you, not look. We talked about it one day, three days later, it's just sold. Let me tell you something, because people are not playing about living in Raleigh, and they will live anywhere they can. This is sort of. Right this now. is sort of what um, this is sort of what is happening in places like well, what has happened long ago in places like New York and industrialized mm -hmm. cities, cities that have more of that infrastructure, more of that housing, because mm -hmm. it just had come to a point where everybody will live there so bad that stuff is really is becoming very high. Like in Raleigh now, you know, finding a good home, you know, a really nice home under three hundred thousand is almost becoming something of the past. Mm -hmm. And if your house had cost you a hundred thousand dollars. 18 years ago, it certainly didn't cost Yo, that today. Let's, don't you know? <laughs> about, say about four years ago, we found a ton of great houses for like 120, mm -hmm. 130. Nice size, great lot. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you barely <laughs> can find one under 200. Right. right now. No, you can't you find can barely find one under 200. Yeah. You know what? You can barely find one under three. You know what? My, one of my best friends that I went to computer school with, um, him, and his, him and his wife, his wife had a um, 
before he before he married his wife, she was living in Raleigh. He lived. He had a house. His own mm-hmm. house in Angel. So she moved out there to be with her husband. But her house she kept here. She kept renting it out. So they had nightmare tenants this past year, <laughs> and um, they finally got them out. Tenants finally yes, just moved out. Yeah, yeah. but the, the tenants finally moved out. So they decided just a month ago. Okay, we got to put this thing in the market. Her husband, um, he's a handyman, he's a good man. He, um, he's a diesel um, heavy equipment technician. Okay. Yeah. So he um, went in, he did the flooring, he did uh, the wood flooring like this in the home. They got it ready. And I lie to you not, the minute they put it on the market at the beginning of the week, they had 14 showings by the end of the week. By the wow. next week, they had sold it. And this just um, happened a month ago. Wow. They sold her t- because they said her townhome was the only townhome in Raleigh under 150. Mm-hmm. And it sold. Boom, right there on the spot. So I just, well, it's amazing to see <laughs> what can happen. I mean, you know what? You can barely find housing there. Like, my family's from Zebulon, Wendell, yeah. Night Jail. And um, I have a cousin that lives in Zebulon now that's moving out of there. She's going to Wilson. I mean, it's just, what people don't realize <laughs> is that it used to be that we thought those places were the country, per se. But what we're not yeah. realizing yeah. is that. This is a southern city, Raleigh is. We understand southern cities are, are they, they bred differently. You know what I'm saying? We built differently. For one, Garner, Wendell, Zebulon, mm-hmm. Nightdale, Wake Forest. This is all still Raleigh. They're yeah. satellite towns. Yeah. They're yeah. still Wake County. They're still a part of Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Just little bitty parts of the town. But people start to think that Clayton and stuff like that, we start to think these places are not Raleigh because we're used to calling them by their, by their yeah. town name. Mm-hmm. We're not realizing they're still a part of this city. So the housing crisis in Raleigh, uh, one of the things we talk about, News and Observer ran articles about is about affordable housing. We have an affordable housing crisis in Raleigh. Oh yeah. Because there's not affordable housing. Because they bought up all the land. But I think the if problem is that they just tore down the, Washington Terrace. Yeah. A whole part of Washington Terrace is being torn down. Well, they've same been thing that happened to uh, same thing that happened to all our hoods. We yeah. don't have no hoods here anymore. If you, you don't go, have. If you go on Martin Luther King right now, right. there's so many like those new housing developments right. popping up. And State this, Street this is looks sad. wonderful. You know, and all people to <laughs> judge, does. but all you see is white people jogging. Right. That's when you know this shit is changing. Once <laughs> you see, you see y'all, that's when you see Gentrified. white people jogging and walking their dogs. Yeah. Uh, Bloodworth. And, and actually picking up the poop. Right. Right. I'm right. telling you, let me tell you something. Hood Central, Haywood. Yep. You've got these beautiful, now I don't like that those modern homes, they are a mixture between metal and concrete oh, and wood and shit. Good thing ugly as hell. That's what that whole historic Oakwood yeah. battle was about. A few years ago, yeah. the historic Oakwood neighborhood was having a battle about this one neighbor that moved in, yep. tore down the historic Oakwood home, which was not part of the code. The deal about historic Oakwood is, if you move into this oldest Raleigh neighborhood, you move to the neighborhood, you gotta, you gotta keep the historic home, you gotta take care of it. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that. Tore shit down, built them a modernist home. One of those homes that's <laughs> across between metal and wood mm-hmm. and shit is ugly as hell. But they built it and they had a right to build it. Finally, after three years, they finally won the court battle. And one thing was so funny, when they showed the neighbor that originally sued to block these neighbors from moving in, after, the home was already built. They sued. <laughs> <laughs> this woman's house had vines and trees and shit. I said, she don't look like she take care of her own house. What did you see out the window to even see? How'd you even see that house over there? That's what they do. No crazy self. But she ain't got nothing else to do. She ain't got no job. But I tell you what, in Raleigh, we have this affordable housing crisis because places like State Street looks wonderful. It's beautiful. Bloodworth. Mm. 
beautiful. They're building these things like Haywood. This is looking nice. They're shaping it up and they're cleaning it up. And they should. Yeah, it's the they city. should. That, now, ain't nobody got no time to be wanting to live in the city. You want to walk downtown and you don't want to drive up. You want to go down and see the parade and stuff. It's just to walk down the street. But no, I can't walk down the street because niggas might shoot me. Yeah. Anybody got time for and that? That's sad. That's sad because yeah. that's good. As soon as you go over there by Shaw and what's her name? There's a hot mess going on. Yeah. I can't, oh, I can't, we can't park over here and get free parking and then walk a couple streets down before I come back my damn windows busted out. Ain't nobody got time for that. So you knew they was going, and, and this is being a southern city, it's easier to gentrify because stuff is so spaced out. Mm-hmm. We don't have the issues that places like New York are having. You know what yeah. the sad part about they pushing everybody, people that, if you are black and you purchase a home, you can find one for 150, yeah, 150 you And that shit is over there at, um, what's the name of that community over there? Um, yeah, it's over there, Chastain. Yeah, it's over there, What's the name of that other area? Um, Barwell. Barwell. Okay, Southeast Raleigh. Yeah, yeah. they're moving you over there. Well, it's because it, I, I live in Southeast Raleigh and I, and I live in Tanglewood. It's like, one yep. of it's like five minutes away from Nightdale. But yep. I feel like. I mean, those communities have been there forever. Eagle Chase is huge. Yeah. They've been there forever. Yeah. The problem is they that all them new homes. it's yeah. so many, it's so much land out there. I'm going to beep his name out during the pod. Leon, no. What was that area? I'm going to beep his name out. So oh my God. It starts with the P. I got on the tip of yeah, my tongue. Yeah, I can't think of it either. Um, was it Patriot or something? Patriot Ridge? Yeah, Ridge I think it's Patriot Ridge Road over there. It's a lot of um, oh, it's a lot of undeveloped up. land. That's why yeah. it looks like that's what's happening. But if you go over there, if you live over there, especially if you go down um, New Hope that leads into Rock Park, it takes oh, you to yeah. Garner. Yeah. 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 It takes yeah. you to yeah. Garner. Yeah. There is so much yeah. land over there they've been trying to sell for decades. Yeah, I, yeah. When I say there's land, land, I mean there is land as far as your eyes can see. We're talking so local right now. This is a bad thing. This is so local. Oh, well, I mean... I mean, it, well, you know what, but it speaks to a larger thing right. because when we talk about black people and affordable housing and things like that, we have to limit it to certain areas because it's not a blanket. It's not a blanket conversation because I do feel like sometimes it really just is geographically. Yeah. It, it's expanding. So when yeah. it's first expanding geographically, it's not going to be like it now. Nightdale is unique in the sense that they have million dollar homes there. They have mansions. Mansions are popping up everywhere. If you go in front of uh, Old Bethlehem Road where the church is, these million dollar homes are so beautiful. They are so gorgeous. And people are expanding into moving out into these areas because people want to. Let's just face it. If you have children, you know, and I raise children, and I tell you, you don't want you don't want your kids to be in no place where. You feel like they're not safe. It's enough trying to yeah. keep them safe from the, the children they go to school that's with. That's why right? us, we work as hard as we do. Right. Because we don't want them to grow up, you know, mm-hmm. watching their back all the time. That's Correct. why we spend all Correct. this money to live where we live. Right. So they can feel safe and we can feel safe knowing that they are right. safe. Right. The battle, there's already a battle inside the home mm-hmm. to keep you away from social media and keep you away from the stuff that comes on the TV screen. Mm-hmm. It's even worse when I got to go outside and stop the town prostitute from giving you candy. <laughs> And not because she's doing anything wrong by yeah. necessarily giving you candy, but it's about I don't want you watching this woman yeah. perusing up and down the, the street, yeah. showcasing yeah. her wares. Exactly. And I don't have no issue with you being a prostitute, but when my kids see you walking down there with a mini skirt and all types of weather, and they saying, "Well, so and so looks pretty yeah. every day. She yeah, just no. walks up and down the street, yeah. baby. That ain't all she does." Well, I don't have time to explain that to you, and I cannot tell you what she really does. 
And then you know what? And then you leave your children. Yeah. The, the bad part about not explaining stuff to your children that's in their plain sight mm -hmm. is that you leave them to their own devices. And when you leave them to their own devices, you got other parents that don't care. There's always been parents that don't care. I don't care how good of an area you live in. Your children will always go to school with parents that don't care. White people, affluent people that affluent people of all ethnicities. Mm -hmm. That go to these so-called rich schools, stuff like that, private schools. You always have parents that don't care. Yeah. Their children mm -hmm. one wild and rampant, yeah. and their children know everything known to man. Yeah. I tell you, like even now, I remember when I um, I didn't know anything about sex like that. I think I mean I got to middle school and people was like having sex. But the point is this. I, my parents were definitely we could not watch rated R movies growing up. My father was. We are not watching a regular movie. Mm -hmm. My mother and father had movies as far as your eyes could see, but we <laughs> never touched those rated R movies, even when they were not home, because right. we were not supposed to watch those things. I had not seen Friday. Oh, I used to watch HBO at night. Right. <laughs> so I had sleep like, like right. HBO run. I had not seen I had not seen Friday till I was eighteen. I had not seen the movie the movie Friday. I forgot you. I had not known that till I was eighteen. I seen Friday. You know, one thing is. My, like I said, my dad didn't allow us to watch radar movies, so when I could watch a lot of this stuff, I still not going back and watch a lot of these movies because now I don't care. You know, I watch a lot of classic yeah. movies now. You can't pry me away from TCM most of the time, but oh, the man. point is, so now now I don't really care. But I feel like it's hard to get your kids to block them away from a lot of mm -hmm. stuff that they would see. Like my father, you know, just my coming of age being a gay man, you know, my father would try to stop me from, mm. you know, looking at gay stuff on the internet. But he, you know, yeah. he couldn't really stop that because yeah. he figured, you know, you just gonna explore. You're gonna, you are who you are. You're gonna explore it, okay. you know. So they always knew, per se. My father would always tell my mother, "Your son's gay," you know. <laughs> <laughs> my mom would be like, "No, he not." And my daddy was like, "Yes, he is." But I, I mean, but. Even in itself, you know, I mean, all I used to tell him. my daddy, <laughs> my daddy was telling my mama I was gay. My daddy, mm -hmm, he's telling my mama he's gay because I go on the computer, he's searching up gay black men, this gay black men, that, and he, my daddy would tell me, you know, he's in these gay black groups, stuff like that. He's, you know, but it's, my, my daddy was more or less. My mama, I just remember my earliest memory. I could probably my first earliest memory probably coming out. I was like ten or eleven. I came out to one of my cousins, and and then you know, as a gay person, you never stop coming out, literally, because when you go places. You go to new jobs and stuff like that. People don't know you. They don't know your teeth. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to tell them, obviously. It's not it's not nobody's business. But quite naturally, it may come up. And you just mention it. Oh, well, my boyfriend or my husband. Oh, oh I'm gay. Mm -hmm. It just comes out. So you never stop coming out everywhere you go. It's yeah. weird. Because it's like, to us, it's like a way of life. But you never stop yeah. coming out. It's just that people just don't ever assume. People just yeah. always assume the default person is straight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They never assume anybody's gay. So... When you meet people, they don't say they meet you appearance-wise. They don't think you get. I mean, not unless you're like super flamboyant, yeah. you're super fabulous. Yeah. You got your nails done. And, and you know, those, you, I don't. You get I, don't me. I don't care for those. I really don't. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I don't like man. all that. You know, I just don't like all that. It's okay. You know, if that's what you want to be, it's okay. I don't mind it. Yeah. But when you start, you know, dressing like it and putting on nails and just acting like it, talking like a girl. I really don't some like some people are super fabulous. Like They're yeah. super super yeah. fabulous as well. I mean, just, just very just fabulous. Be, just, just be you. Can't contain you all that fabulous, all that glitter and rainbows. <laughs> I think that's a little too much. Unicorn. Yeah. I, I have one it's friend. I had two friends that shot me. I didn't know they were gay. One was in college. He was in real world. Back in real world, mm -hmm. starting out. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, and he, wow. he was on real world. We just go to his dorm, we just hang out. His girlfriend, I think his girlfriend's friend, like we were tough, like. Yeah. But the whole, he went on real world, but he called everyone. 
Mm-hmm. He was like, yo, I'm coming out. I said, what are you coming out to? <laughs> Where we going? He was like, no, I'm gay. He was like, Charlie never. I said, nigga, how you doing? I said, as much shit we did, I didn't know what you was. Like, right. I, I never looked at him. We acted like And then we dressed the same. You know what I mean? Both mm-hmm. sides say, yo, let me cop them Tim's that you wear. <laughs> oh, I'm going to wear your black ones. All right, cool. Whatever. You know what I mean? Just come mm-hmm. out my crib. We hung out. I never mm-hmm. thought. And then I had another guy. We kind of knew through our high school. We kind of knew. We always felt like he was fronting. We used to tell, we used to clown like, bro, you ain't got a front for us. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but he went to college yeah. and then he came out. It was like, man. and when he came out, he came out to one of the homies. And then the other, then he came and told us, like, nigga, we kind of really know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. no one judged him, like, when y'all yeah. coming down for homecoming. Like, when that, and that's how you say, when yeah, y'all all like, coming for homecoming. Yeah. 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 yeah, we like, to each his own, nigga. That means yeah. this is more out there for me to fuck with. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I, I think we all have uh, unique stories, but I do feel like the the prevailing thing is when we talk about people having, you know, like coming out stories and stuff like that, mm-hmm. usually it's always something really tragic. I think it's thing that some of us, and some of us that, that yeah. we complain about, some of us complain about the fact that we feel like those of us that have had like I guess um, I hate to use the word normal those of us that didn't have like these coming out stories like some people can tell you some really wild coming out stories family disowning you kicking you out the house at 15 (laughs) making you run away from home people people that you meet in the streets prostituting you out I mean it just turns to just it it turns to something real deep and crazy got on drugs for a while started bumping and and then from bumping you started shooting it up it just turns into a lot of different things a lot of us are like damn that's what happened to you because wow you make me sound like I was just I don't even know what you make me sound like with coloring books, like I'm not even real. At this I know, moment. right? Maybe, I, maybe I need to question myself again. You know, because mine is I don't, I don't have no real coming out story to tell people. People always ask you, know, what was it like for you? And I'm always like, I don't know, because they always knew per se, or anybody yeah. that that was close enough to me always knew that. And yeah. for me, I got to a point in high school where um, I never actually came out. I just started talking about me, and that's usually what happened. Mm-hmm. I just, I remember sitting in the classroom. And it was this boy that I was trying to talk to, but he was trying to talk to this other boy. And, you know, this other boy was like a major help. But the point was, I remember just sitting there, me and my girlfriends were just sitting there, and I remember just saying to them, y'all know I was talking to so-and-so, and then he gonna sit there talking about he talking to so-and-so. And they were just looking at me like, what do you mean? I was like, I was talking to him, and you, and I was like, no, I was talking like trying to get with him. And he was like, oh, okay, well. You know, because to most people, it was just like, to me, it hadn't occurred to me that I had not. Yeah. Had this met this coming out thing had to happen. I was like, no, I'm talking about no. I used to like him, and he playing with me, and I don't like it. You know, like <laughs> for me, and I mean, it's just, I mean, I think like even with people like certain people being molested, and they feel like coming from being molested, they feel like it was exposed to sex very early on, things like that. And then me, I'm like, I'm almost 29, and I'm the 31st in a week or so. I'm still a virgin now, and I'm just like. I think people, it's always, my story has yeah. always seemed yeah. like more odd. The older I get, I'm like, maybe I am a little odd. Because yeah. most people are like, I don't know anybody that's been a virgin that long. Yeah. Like, well, to me, it feels normal. <laughs> like, it feels like I'm just living my life. Yeah, yeah. It's normal to me. I'm, oh, I go to work. I'm just living an like, average life. Yeah, you know? We're going to have to make this another conversation. We're going to have to make this another conversation, another episode. This is getting too good right now. <laughs> yeah. Hold that thought. Now that y'all had that too. Yeah. Now <laughs> Y'all yeah, so. talk about sex and shit. I'm out. I don't even <laughs> like hearing her talk about sex. So I damn sure you know more. Yeah, she was wild in the last podcast. I was like, oh, that yeah, guy listened to this. Yes, he did. We oh, had a whole segment. Oh, my Lord. Big size and everything. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
I should have came with my cross and laid it on those things. <laughs> 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 Boil and everything you need to do. I don't know if it was gonna work, but you gotta bring it. I would have brought the holy oil. That was just on the hood. Matter of fact, use some cotton shell on the kids. Yes, okay. Let me try to eat it, but no, she didn't. What was it? Pop rocks. Pop rocks. You know pop oh, rocks. Oh, yeah. They were crying. Okay. <laughs> yeah, pop rocks. I gave everybody some pop rocks. Mm. And they will have to do an update whether they use them or not. Yeah, Listen to the. Oh, why are you doing the oral thing? Oh, okay. Oh, it was oh, what women prefer episode. No. So make sure you listen to no. that and hear what we have. Wait, to so say. I have a question on this whole Black Panther being shown, it, or the, okay. you know, the article. So y'all don't believe that they were being racist? Oh, it's not that. It's it's not that. It's oh, just no. The, it's not that. It's, it's not that. I, I think when you break it down, uh, one thing that was very clearly broke down. You understand? You coming from a quote unquote communist mm-hmm. nation, and I'm putting that in quotation mm-hmm. because it's a little deeper than that too. But you come from a communist nation that is very homogenized, meaning you only see people that look like you, mm-hmm. and they have been secluded and closed off legally mm-hmm. from a lot of other people. A lot of Chinese people, the majority of them that live on the mainland, they never see black people in their real life. You have a lot of YouTubers and people that document going to homogenize uh, nations like Japan, going to China. Because to a lot of Japanese people, a lot of Asian nations, they figure the default human is what they are because they never see anybody else. Mm-hmm. And even in Russia, places like that, where it's just a bunch of white folks, they see anybody black, it's just like, oh my God, I've seen black in my life. I only ever seen them on TV. Russia, Russia. High is high in racism. Yeah, pretty bad. it's pretty bad in Russia. Yeah, being I played ball overseas, bad in Russia. Right, I've been in Japan. I'm six foot six. They were like a maze. Right, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like whoa. Of course, they like your hair and all this mm-hmm. other shit. And back in the day, my I had dreads and they were real long, so it was like whoa. They only different. ever see that stuff like in anime. Okay. They see but that stuff. But you gotta also think about the media per per se yeah. on that. What like like in one of the video me and you were discussing on mm-hmm. one time. The first and only thing they kept saying is, from what they saw on TV, yeah. this yeah. is what they thought of black people. Then when they saw Black Panther, it was like, whoa. Right. We missed that whole culture aspect. We don't see that culture aspect. Yeah. Think about the, this is the first time in ever mm-hmm. that we see anything based on us being kings mm-hmm. or queens. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our people don't even know that we came. We had a yeah. whole history before the for slavery. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? All we know and all we taught is Slavery. That's when black people started. We mm-hmm. we were. That's where it shows. We've been brought up in bondage. Boom. And that's how life started for us. Yeah. Think about it. Think about it. That's for us. A school. Yeah. Right. We from. We off. We from the south. Right. So you know. Soon as school taught. Slavery. They and showed you roots. And now slavery. they try to uh, gloss over. Yep. That's the first. And thing then we about. had slavery. Yep. And then moving right along. No, Martin Luther King. Yep. <laughs> You just skip. You just go skip over the phone. Fuck that. We gonna show y'all Alex Haley roots. <laughs> South Car- Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. South Carolina is trying to redeem themselves because they know Charleston was that first slave port. They yep. know they in real dark waters. <laughs> yep. Charleston kissed my ass. They know. Duh. <laughs> I thought I was the only one. Like, I can't. Everybody. Every time I hear black people say, "Boy, it's so beautiful in Charleston," the first thing I say is, yeah. "Fuck Charleston." <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck. It's beautiful because Trump. we built it. Like now, if you want to yeah. really talk about who built it, <laughs> no damn Mexicans building that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what? It's the same thing. Like when we talk about like with these Ivy League universities. There's a book called Ebony and Ivy, mm-hmm. uh, written by a black man. Mm-hmm. He talks about the history of these Ivy League universities. We talk about modern medicine. 
when we just when we, you know, we were talking about taking down all these Confederate statues, the conversation came about the father of gynecology yeah. and how all these black women were protesting at his statues because the father of modern day gynecology was a man that used to use black enslaved women to get all his work done. Yeah. He did experiments on them with no anesthesia. Mm -hmm. He that's how he developed pap smears. He believed and had a theory that black women did not feel pain yeah. like white women did. He did so many experiments on black women's and, and bodies and then became the father of gynecology. They look at our skin and they, they they put us in animal stages. Right. And in reality, you motherfuckers were from, y'all were animals. Y'all walked on all fours. You guys came from these fucking mountains and we taught you everything. You know what I mean? That's the sad part about it. We taught you everything that you knew about how to bathe. They didn't even wash like that. We taught you that you gotta wash your ass. We taught you about proper hygiene. We teach you all these things. And the problem is our culture is always teaching. But we're never fighting. We're never we're never uniting one another. That's a, and we'll change the something I wanna go on, because that's how I also feel about the Bible. So I don't follow that shit a lot of time because it's you got a when you got a piece of the Bible that says respect if you you're a slave, respect your master, you kiss my ass on this book going forward. This book <laughs> is done in my book, in my mind. Like because now you taking yes, there was a Bible that was written in another language, but I bet you any amount of money that shit wasn't in there. You know what I'm saying? Because it's been revised. King James Version. Smoker was a rapist. You know what I mean? Multiple wives. He did a lot of dumb, crazy shit. You know what I'm saying? He was homosexual. But you you take portion that he wrote and add it to the Bible and say, oh, this is the King James Version. We're gonna read today reading from the King. And fuck King James. <laughs> fuck that reading. You know what I mean? That's how I feel about, but that's how I feel about a lot of religion. I'll put that on based on all. You know, not just one. It's not just Christianity. There's a lot of flaws when it comes to being a Muslim. It's a lot of flaws in this, that, and the third. Even though I probably more identify Muslim than anything, but I still feel it's a lot of flaws in that I think as well. just the human just condition. Just be spiritual. Humans just are be spiritual. Just overall, I yeah. we just can't escape being flawed yep. beings in general. Oh, we definitely because it's like definitely. it's just like with Bill Cosby, oh, an iconic bad. black figure, but at the same time, a fucking predator. Yeah. So you know, yeah. it's like it's always people are always Bill Cosby, full of shit. It's the, the, the same way show. I think about a lot of. Uh, it's the same way I think about a lot of biblical figures. They were flawed humans because they were only human, yep. but they were called to do something. You were called to called do something, something great higher. in right. one area, right. but that didn't mean you weren't a bastard. You were a mean right. bastard, no, but I need you to do this right here. But think about you this do this, part. and that's all I need think you to about, do. Think about this slavery. The first thing they said was, "We don't want you to learn to read." The only thing, but the only thing we want you to read is the Bible. Right. If we control your mind, we control the way you move. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Think about like when they move when they moved the people from Africa to America, before they got on the slave ship, they stopped in one spot and they made them be baptized. They put them through everything first. You'll be a Christian before you move over here. We're gonna yeah. beat you into believing this. But you know what though? And then that's that the only way, thing we teach you. Yeah, that way you and it was their off. and it, it was but it was their brand of Christianity. Yes. One thing I try to tell people and one thing I, if you look at biblical maps, it's basically saying these people that were in Africa had already known God in already known. way. Yes. These Europeans came along and told you, you know, this, this is, is the, the way, way you should worship right. him. This mm -hmm. is the way you should do it. And uh hanging you know, going 
uh, fast and loose with interpretations and right. making cherry picking and making things suit their own needs and putting in this and putting in that and having like that's why I don't like a lot of these uh, translations that are uh, uh, oh the Newfoundland translation and the ones that put words in the Bible that were never there for right. one uh, the word homo- homosexuality appears in some of these newer translated right. Bibles and it that's not there. how it's they not meant there. that it's and that's not, not the concept nope. that they meant nope. they had no concept of it the way we do now Mm-mm. and that is not the way they thought of it right. so you see these Bibles that are saying you know such such and, and they were unclean and homosexuality and this and like that they yep, did not use those words nope. of words that not exist to them that's not the way they understood these things so then we are basically controlling the narrative. We are right. reprogramming people's minds again, and we're making people believe what we want them to believe. Because when we say, well, this is the transition that comes from so and church. This is the Erica Jones church version of the Bible. Well, why does Erica need her own version? Her church, <laughs> if Erica wants <laughs> yeah. to release, if Erica wants to release own her own forward, I mean, you think about being a Mormon. Mormonism is literally the Bible and then the Book of Mormon, meaning yeah. <laughs> this man that went to Utah and found that Mormon told this whole thing about Utah. He went there, he wanted to have this, he wanted to have his own, uh, his own nation where Mormons could be there, have their own land and all that. That's how this all came about. He wrote the Book of Mormon. How y'all wanna build a Mormon? And he just, and it's supposed to be a companion to the Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how you have people that, you know, you have your Church of Latter-day Saints and stuff like that, but the, you know, yeah. the whole point is that with black people, I tell them all the time, stop thinking that because somebody forced something on you, that, that means you never had it because it's no different than white people telling us, okay, even when it goes back to bathing. So we teach them how to bathe, but then we come over here. Now modern day has told you, you need to take a shower every day with mm-hmm. Dove soap. Yeah, yeah. When science is telling you, please don't bathe every day with Dove soap. Yeah. Mainly because the human body is not dirty like yes. you think. I mean, if you've got that's odor issues, a lot of times you find stuff day. that's internal and people are having odor issues. Mm-hmm. They're having other things going on within their body. but. It's propaganda. Soap ads, cosmetic ads, it's mm-hmm. propaganda that you have believed as a modern day human that you need to, mm-hmm. one, bathe with a soap that's got 5,000 chemicals. This mm-hmm. spray of perfume that was created 4,000 <laughs> more chemicals all over your body. No, that is not how it went. <laughs> then they tell you the shower must be warm. No, the lakes are not warm. Okay? <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it's just like these are modern day things. I mean, what I'm saying is these, these, are, these are preferences. These are things we've become accustomed to, but we don't ever really question, why do I have to use Dove soap or Ivory soap? Why, why is it like that? It's not. Right. And then you, but you're thinking about these are preferences. There is no real right way to bathe. The, the gist is don't come out smelling like shit. Okay? Go in there, accomplish that task. Don't come out here. With, uh, with, don't come out here four shades darker because okay. you just ain't bathing in five weeks. Don't smell like outside, okay? Uh-huh. Go in there inside and don't come smelling like outside, you know? All right, yeah. Well, on that note, make sure y'all wash. Use some dub. If you dub. want to. If you want to. I use okay. African black soap. Me personally, I want to wash every day, take a shower every day. Right. And, I don't and care no what problem nobody say. I got to do that. Ain't no problem with it. But one thing y'all do do and I say do do <laughs> make sure you follow the Egan Friends podcast mm. on Twitter at Erica Jones with the Z on the end on Instagram at Egan Friends Pod and also on my personal Instagram at M-O-D-E-L underscore E underscore and also on our website at Got What the Letter U Me Podcast Network and we are going to end this podcast for today even though it was a good one. Yes it was. It was. Good discussion. Yes it was. <laughs>
<laughs> and if I said anything, anybody got to go verify. Just go do your thing, you know. Ari right, here, he really does. His as long as it's mostly correct, then I can say it. Dr. Ari. You know how it is when you say stuff and you're in the media and people are like, that, it was 18, not 17. <laughs> oh, well, oh, thank you. Uh, you know. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We are out. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.